0: and welcome to another episode of the Geekscape Games Podcast. This is bonus stage number four, Pokemon Sun and Moon. This is Josh, the resident number two of the Geekscape Games Podcast. If you're wondering where our normal host is, he is taking a rest while we take the helm of this new special Pokemon episode. Um, here with me is our other Pokemon master and Geekscape, uh, Geekscape contributor, Adam.
1: Hey there, how you guys doing?
0: And we are going to go through the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the best and worst of the newest Pokemon games to come out in the main series, Generation 7, Pokemon Sun and Moon. So to start, Adam, I just wanted to ask you what what just your general thoughts on the game is now that we've both finished the story mode and are working our way through the post game.
1: Okay, well, um, I have to say, a little uh, background for me in Pokemon. Um, Obviously, when it came out around the time that it was released, me and my brother were super big into Pokemon. You know, Red and Blue were the first games we had on the Game Boy. It was... We really spent all our time playing them. You know, um, we even played the Pokemon card game and all that, and um, we played up until about gold and silver, and around the Ruby Sapphire generation, we sort of stopped playing it, because I don't know, I think we were just getting a bit tired of it by then. And, I know there was a big thing back then, when they first announced that, you know, because it was a big transition from Game Boy to Game Boy Advance, that you wouldn't be able to transfer those Pokemon. So I know a lot of people got upset by that. And So, we sort of stopped playing a little bit after um, Leaf Green and uh, Fire Red, and it sort of continued, you know, never touched Ruby Sapphire, never touched Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, Black White, but um, when I first saw the trailer for Pokemon X and Y, that actually got me really excited, like way more excited than I had ever been for a Pokemon game up until then, and... When I got the game, I played it for about a week or two, was really enjoying the game, and then for some reason I just stopped. I just sort of got bored of the game. Um, I don't know why. I think it was just because there was really nothing to hook me in for X and Y. It just felt a bit odd to me, like... One of my biggest problems was that, I guess, like, it was constantly, like, giving out free Pokemon, and it felt, like, much easier than any of the other Pokemon games I had played up until then. So I kind of just sort of trailed off again. Uh, And I didn't really... wasn't really uh, into Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire either when they announced that, but when Sun and Moon was announced, it actually got me really interested because they ended up talking about a lot of stuff like they were changing so much stuff which we can get into later so that actually got me really excited that i've again that i'd ever been for a pokemon game and this time i decided to watch less trailers because i think another reason why i wasn't quite as pleased with x and y when i actually had it was because they had mostly spoiled everything in that game with trailers and so is, I
0: I feel like then in that case, it's a really good thing that you avoided the trailers for this one, because I feel like in Sun and Moon, the trailers gave away even more than X and Y did.
1: Yeah, I, I remember um, I watched a lot of the Pokemon Sun and Moon trailers up until the part where they showed the uh, second evolution stages. And after that video, I stopped watching because I'm like, you know, they're just showing way too much. And then I know one video came out and people were freaking out. I'm like, you know what? Don't tell me. I'm going to find out myself, okay? I I actually want to be surprised by this game when this stuff happens. And I'm glad to say, um, this is probably the most fun I've had with a Pokemon game in a while. Because I had just gotten off from playing Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, which I thought was an okay game. I thought the story was uh, pretty dumb. Uh, And I liked some of the features, but... I wouldn't say it was the strongest game at all. And I was just sort of, again, bored after the Delta episode. I didn't really feel the need to press on into that post-game.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then as far as me, like, I've played every Pokemon game essentially since they've come out um, from Red and Blue all the way up until Sun and Moon. So I've been really invested in the changes that Sun and Moon was making, which a lot of them sounded really exciting. But once they were put into practice, I... It sucks It sucks for me to say because so many of the improvements they made into this game, I feel like, were long overdue. But for every positive um, change that they made to the gameplay, they did something else that makes no sense and just makes the game less fun to play. So I guess with that glowing, that glowing recommendation, we'll go straight into what we thought about the meat of the game, which of course is the gameplay itself. So... Um you were talking a little bit about with um how you feel like this one is the most fun you've had playing a Pokemon game in a long time. So what what made this one stand out to you more than other ones do you think?
1: Um I think what really stood out more is that uh Game Freak and the Pokemon company really knew that you know this was going to be something very special, you know, this is the 20th anniversary of Pokemon. You know, it's insane that 20 years ago, Red and Blue debuted, and they knew that they really had to um, step it up and change a lot of things, because basically, besides from the first Pokemon game, which was Red and Blue, they've really sort of stagnated, I think. I think that's the word that I'm trying to think of, but I'm not sure. But I feel like the story has really stagnated because... It always seems like they're trying to do, like, this big adventure. And in the first game, it was more like, you know, you're just an average kid. You're starting your Pokemon journey. All you want to do is just catch Pokemon and become the best. And along the way, you end up just stopping this uh, crime syndicate. It's it's just like a little bonus thing. And with with the subsequent... Games, even though I love Heart Gold and Soul Silver and think this Generation 2 is the best, that's sort of where it started. Where you're like, oh, you, now you're sort of a kid, like an 11 year old boy or girl, and now you're sort of just, instead of just going on to this adventure, you're instead tr- trying to save the world. You know, you're the only one, you small child, 8 year old boy, you can sa- only save this gigantic world from total destruction. And I don't know. I just, I just always felt that was a bit odd. But I feel like with yeah. Pokemon Sun and Moon, it still kind of has a, a deeper story behind it. But it's still pretty much you're going on this adventure and you're trying to become the best.
0: Right. And yeah, like I, I agree with your sentiments on the story. Except I feel like that started more with Ruby and Sapphire, cause since that was the first one where it was really like, oh, like Team Aqua and Team Magma are gonna like wipe, wipe the world clean of, like, all of its water so they can make it all land, which is, like, the dumbest yeah. plan ever. Oh, you said earlier yeah. how Ruby and Sapphire had a really stupid plot.
1: plot. Yeah, but, yeah
0: Um I, oh, I know
1: a, I, yeah. I know a lot of people love the... Like, I know a lot of people, like, really love Ruby and Sapphire, but for me, I just... I just didn't get invested into that game. I thought it was stupid. I, I liked some of the ideas, like, oh, your dad's a gym leader, and then you get to battle him, like, later in the game. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But, like, other than that, it's, like... <laughs> just, I feel like it was a story that was trying to be, like, trying to be, like, a serious story, but it was not doing that very well.
0: Right. And, like, with Ruby and Sapphire in particular, and, like, we'll talk about it later, because at the end of this podcast, I want us to rank all of the Pokemon generations we've played up to this point, and from best to worst. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, where Ruby and Sapphire, the originals were, like, the first ones that I never like that it took me a really long time to finish but I mean aside from that like Sun and Moon's story is it's weird because you're right in the sense that the main story has like more intimacy as far as it being focused on your actual journey as growing as a trainer as opposed to a lot of this end of the world stuff but I mean the end of the world stuff is still very like ever present and I thought that the pacing of the story was actually really poorly done and it's funny i th- i feel like we're going to be playing good cop bad cop here a little bit but, but <laughs>
1: devil's advocate
0: yeah devil's advocate so like with the story i like the way they did it but and i should have said this in the beginning of the show but of course this is going to be as i mentioned in the beginning we have both finished the game so this is going to be a full full-on spoiler cast so if you have not finished the game up until this point now would be a good time to hit the pause button Go finish up the last little bit of adventure that you have left and then come back and listen. But um, moving on to the later part of the game, like for the most part, it's like the two organizations that are in the game are the Aether Foundation and the, and Team Skull. Now, Team Skull for the most part are just like comic relief and no one takes them seriously. But all of a sudden, like when you finish, when you're about three fourths through the game, it's revealed that essentially Team Skull was a front and the aether foundation was the real were the ones pulling the strings because they were using their research to like pull these new creatures called ultra beasts from another dimension which would threaten of course to destroy the world like every other pokemon plot since ruby and sapphire <laughs> but, but the the my, the reason why i say the pacing is poor is because you know team skull is an afterthought and the aether foundation is supposed to be good and at that point once you once that whole reveal happens and you chase Team Skull to their base, like, the next three or four hours of the game is just straight trainer battles, like, straight from Team Skull's hideout to the Aether Foundation to fighting Lucamine, and, like, finding the... I mean, there's a small gap in between when you fight Lusamine the first time and when you go into the Ultra Dimension, but for the most part, it's, like, three, four hours of just straight trainer battles, and it got to the point where... I was already tired of it when I got to the Team Skull Mansion, <laughs> and then they expected me to go through the entire Aether Foundation immediately after. And I was just kind of like rolling my eyes a little bit, and I was like, can I. Could you guys have sprinkled this a little bit throughout Islands 2 and 3 so I could just go back to my island challenge?
1: Yeah, because. C- uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go Oh, on. no, go ahead. Okay, I-, I just want to bring up that, like. Not, like... Basically, there's always this, uh, looming... So, there's always this looming presence of the Aether Foundation. Because on almost all islands, they have, like, little outposts that you can go to. And, you know, there's constantly people always talking about the Aether Foundation. You know, oh, they're so great, they're so nice, they... They, uh, they help Pokemon that have been harassed or hurt by Team Skull. You know. So, they they've already, like, set up this front to show that, you know, oh, yes, they are good people. They are healing these sick and harmed, wounded Pokemon from Team Skull. But, like, I think my favorite part is that Team Skull, they're just basically, like, like, nobody cares about them. Like, very early on in the game, you're meeting up with a couple of people, and, like, there's a two team skull members that end up coming right behind you and they're like oh okay it's just team skull anyways what were we saying about the island challenge oh yeah um
0: like no one takes them seriously it's a it's a huge contrast to like the other evil teams in all the other games where they're considered a threat whereas and that's one thing that i do want to give the game credit for is that their villains are unique in the sense that the real threat is in the background but the the front in Team Skull, like, no one takes them seriously. Even, like, NPCs who aren't trainers are just like, oh, it's Team Skull, who gives Skull. a shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, th- that's probably, like, my favorite part is that they, they sort of addressed, like, the how crazy and out of hand like the teams were getting, because I, I don't know much about the uh, teams after Ruby and Sapphire, but, um, I've, ha- I've watched a little bit of Pokemon Generations, which is a great miniseries, by the way, if you guys haven't seen that on uh, YouTube. But, um... Uh, like, I was looking at one of the episodes with Team Plasma, and, you know, they were doing this whole evil thing, like, trying to harness this, the energy from the legendaries to destroy the world and open up a different dimension, and I'm like, oh, I'm just tuned out of this. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> this is just, this is just a, a bit too insane for me. But I, I love how they sort of went back and went, okay, you know.
0: Wait, wait, sorry, was that Team Plasma or Team Galactic?
1: Um I'm actually not sure if it was Team Plasma. I think it was Team Plasma because it was a uh, Diamond and Pearl. It was a Pokémon. Okay, oh, oh, that D would have been guy. Galactic then. Oh, Galactic. Okay. Yeah, cuz I was
0: re- I was thinking back on the plot and I was like, wait, that sounds more like those. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. It just started getting way out of hand.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it it was such a refreshment to see these these goofy side characters and all that and i I just love the personalities of most of the team skull thugs uh like you were talking about when you go to the team skull mansion uh you can enter a room where there's a two team skull thugs like um fighting with each other about like the uh the shirts that they're wearing and stuff oh yeah (laughs) and they sort of make a comment that's like oh i'm gonna write my name on it so you don't get it this time it's like what's the point we're all named team skull thug
0: yeah right that was and yeah and there's a lot of like self-referential humor like i feel like ever since gen like black and white that they started doing more of the tongue-in-cheek writing but it seemed to really go up in this game which um like speaking of like the rest of the writing and the characters though before we move on to gameplay uh lily on the online seems to be a controversial character either people love her or people hate her which side of the fence are you on
1: um, I actually really enjoy her character, you know I, I I really like the idea of someone who's sort of trying she wants to become a Pokemon trainer, but she she can't really do it,
0: you yeah. know, yeah, and she's like I, against fighting through the, most of the game too, which is her biggest like barrier but she yeah, and I agree like I think that she's a great character in the sense that she still sticks by her side and finds a way through all these dangerous areas without a Pokemon. And she's yeah, always there to support you. And then when times get tough, whether it was running away with Nebby or um, trying to rescue Nebby once he's kidnapped, it's like you know she's always willing to rise to that challenge. So I actually don't understand the hate that she's getting at all.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not understanding it either. Because um, actually, one of my favorite parts, which I think develops really a bit more, is um, after you we meet Lucimine inside the. Uh, Either foundation, and you know she she leaves with Guzma to get the uh, ultra beasts, and you know Lily really makes a stand there, and so does uh, her brother. Which oh my gosh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name.
0: Glacian, uh, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 Something Glacian. Like um, which <laughs> I guess we can talk about Glacian a little bit later, but um, um, no, yeah, Lily really makes a stand and some of my favorite parts of her character are when you're on Executor Island trying to get the Moon the moon Flute, and she talks to you about how she had this really intimate moment with her mother once where they were playing in the rain and stuff because she saw Singing in the Rain.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought that was really interesting, too. Yeah, I was like, Singing in I, the I Rain really is such a it. weird reference to put into Pokemon, of all things.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> you think that fuels it further that Pokemon takes place, like... Ages after like like regular animals have been wiped from existence. <laughs> <laughs> but yet there are still these weird things. Um and I then I also like when you're going to summon um the legendary Pokemon, which in our case is Lunala since we both had Moon version, um, when you're you're traversing through the final area, you know, Lily's sort of going through her own trials. And I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I feel like black and white still have the best story overall, but this is a very solid number two and a big reason why aside from Lily and her development is that they did a good job of building a connection to the game's legendary which in this case is Nebby who all is which is like her companion Pokemon that she has from the beginning and In the end it ends up being What the cover Pokemon depending which version you have Sun or Moon, so it's more than just like some Legendary beast that's capable of destroying the world that you have to tame like every other game and instead You have an emotional connection to it because you spent the whole game helping Lily protect it And I thought that that was really really well done It got to the point where I never use legendaries in my story but after that all happened like I just really I just wanted to have Lunala with me all the time because of the (laughs) way that things transpire and I need to go on a rant about Kukui, but before, that, before <laughs> that, there's one thing I wanted to mention too about the Aether Foundation that I thought was really interesting is that right before you fight Lusamine, they make a point to show that all of her favorite Pokémon she has stored, but she has them stored in this like cryogenic like freezing thing and they're trying to make it sound really evil, but when and they they imply it but it's not expressly said, but in reality is like that's really no different from what you do, where you just shove the Pokemon you're not using into a box, and they sit there <laughs> for five years until you transfer them to the next generation, and it like so, and I'll, once we talk about our overall ratings, I'll talk more about why I really love Black and White story. But this is getting close to the same levels of Black and White, where it's really questioning the humanity of what you do as a Pokemon trainer, and they could they can dress it up and say oh, they're your friends, and they choose to be with you when you throw the Pokeball, but we all know that's a bunch of crap, and that you're essentially taking them out against their will, and it, the game, this game does a good job of, not overt, like I said, it's not overt, because I guess it's still, like, a kid's game, and they don't want it to get too crazy, but that is a point that they touch on, like, what's the difference between her abusing Nebby so that it'll give her to the get her to the ultra beasts as opposed to you making your pokemon fight until they pass out multiple times so that you could catch this legendary or whatever whatever. but (laughs) yeah but but, it's
1: like you you spent all that time in space trying to catch that deoxys and where does it go whoop in the box yeah exactly afterwards
0: so i mean that, that that's not focused on a whole lot in the game but it's focused on enough so that if you think about it you know it gives you a little bit more depth in the story which i really appreciated but above all else I can't talk about the story or the characters without talking about kukui which we've talked plenty about team skull luzamine but i feel like kukui is a real villain of this game and i'll tell you why <laughs> and i'll tell you why he's throughout the whole game i mean he comes off as super friendly but also kind of a douche like he just kind of barges in your house, your house. <laughs> he's, like he's, he's <laughs> like he's like vaguely flirting with your mom and it turns out he's married, like he's married. <laughs> um like just all this but it, for the most part it's harmless and. Through the whole game, he's essentially mentoring you, where it's like, you know, he's teaching you the importance of Pokemon moves. He teaches you about Um, Z-moves. He keeps telling you about his glory days where he tried to win the Kanto Pokemon League, but he got beaten. It turns out, like, close to the end of the game, he tells you that essentially he got beaten by Lance, like, the last member of the Elite Four.
1: (laughs) And Lance just sent him crying.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And then, you know, he goes on and on. Like, the whole game, he's like, Alola deserves its own Pokemon League alola deserves this and that we should show that we're the best trainers in the world and he kind of grooms you throughout your island challenge so once you complete all the island challenges they open up the pokemon league and this is where i start feeling like even though the game doesn't expressly say this he's like the real villain of the game as far as i'm concerned (laughs) concerned. (laughs) because he opens the pokemon league right first he tells you that island challenge tradition is that the four you have to fight the four kahunas in a row and then that makes you that completes your island challenge. And he said he was replicating that with the Pokemon League. Except when you get to the Pokemon League, only two of them are the kahunas, and then the other two are <laughs> different peoples, and one of them you've never even met before. So I'm just it's like a golfer. What was that?
1: I, wasn't she like a golfer or a tennis player?
0: Yeah, and then like, you know, you don't even know who like she is and all of a sudden there's a flying type trainer that you had no idea to prepare for. And then so you beat all four team members and they keep driving home this fact that you're the very first you're fighting to be the very first alola champion because we just opened the pokemon league so you walk in you sit on your throne after beating all four and then who walks in but that asshole and then he was like congratulations on beating the elite four now to truly be champion you have to beat me and it's like it's like red and blue in reverse because (laughs) in red in red and blue blue is the champion but you didn't ambush him cuz he knew he was you were right behind him so he prepared he healed up his pokemon and he was the one who ambushed you but this is the same thing in reverse you were the first champion and that asshole was right behind you without you <laughs> even realizing it so then he walks uh, in he with walks- his full team you're still hurt because you didn't know what to do like to heal your pokemon or even if you did know to heal them just in case you're still down like you're still most likely either down items or down health or down PP or whatever it is. And he just barges in and tries to become the champion himself. And it totally came off to me as like, he set this whole thing up so he can make, build a strong trainer so he could beat them and kind of build up his own ego and build up his own, like, his own reputation to be the first Alola champion because he failed in Kanto. And it makes me look back at the entire game and be like, this son of a bitch trained you up to be this great trainer just so he could beat you at the end, you at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah um i think like i think it's like the funniest thing that basically why alola has a pokemon league now is basically um kukui got mad that he uh lost and so he basically pulled a bender and he's just like fuck you i'm gonna make my own pokemon league with blackjack and hookers and you know he just starts building it and he's like (laughs) and he basically just recruits you into it and basically like strong arms you he's like yeah you beat all the island challenges but you know now we have a new tradition all of a sudden you have to go and face the Pokemon League now
0: yeah and then it was just such like for one for one on one hand it was really like from a gameplay standpoint it was cool because it breaks tradition where it's not just a champion and that's the first time outside of cheats since you could battle Professor Oak with like uh, by like getting into the code of red and blue but otherwise it was like the first time that you had a battle against the professor let alone it being the last boss and he was actually really interesting in the sense that he has stealth rock and uses stealth rock in his very first turn so it's like whenever you and you were talking about how this one's more challenging earlier so it's like every time you know how it's kind of cheap how when the computer when you beat one of their pokemon it tells you what the next one's going to be so you could choose a switch but unless you had the foresight to bring something with rapid spin to get rid of Stealth Rock, like every time you switch, you would take damage.
1: Yeah, and uh, just as a side thing, I want to say, um, with the, that, uh, the, the, effectin- the effectiveness bars that appear in the battles now, I didn't think I'd actually enjoy that, but once I started getting into the game and started seeing how that worked, I actually ended up really enjoying it because then it allowed me to um, actually think a bit more ahead and see what i want to take out now
0: yeah and i feel like i feel like it just saves time because everybody pretty much knows what the types are and if you don't what's stopping you from looking them up online you know you know
1: yeah and that that's another thing it's like i know people were like at first very uh, skeptical about it but then it's like you know really we all sort of already know the matchups and you know Who's not going to just already automatically choose what's super effective or not against that Pokemon?
0: Yeah, for sure. Which, you know, now that you mention that, that brings us more into the gameplay aspect of it. And that's actually one of the positive changes that the game made, I thought. And uh, just to run down the list a little bit of positive changes before I get into the things that I didn't like. Um, like the type, like you mentioned, the typings, I feel like is a plus because, like, you- like you were saying, it's like, What's the point of hiding it? These games have been around forever. Aside from fairy type, all the types have been the same since for like 15 years. Um, and if you really don't know, you, like people could just look it up. And it's kind of the same as the EXP share where a lot of people think it makes it too easy. But to me, it's like it's a completely optional thing where, well, the EXP share, you could turn it off with this. In this case, you can't turn it off. But if you know it already, it's not going to change anything like you would still be picking those attacks. So it doesn't really affect anything and that and being able to keep track of how much of the uh, like how much of their attack and defense and et cetera has gone down or up instead of having to mem- uh, like keep it in your memory I feel like was a big plus too.
1: Yeah, I-, I think one of the biggest strengths of adding these two new features is that um it really does help introduce a uh, Re, it either helps introduce or reintroduce brand new people to Pokemon to make it a bit more easier and streamlined, and I don't think that's a bad thing, because, you know, I, I, I've heard about a lot of people, you know, who actually played Pokemon Go, who ended up actually, you know, buying a 3DS, buying the original Virtual Console games, and, you know, who are now going into Sun and Moon, you know. they're they're finally taking a step further into the series and finally discovering more um, than what Pokemon Go had to offer. And so now them coming in, it's really easy for them to get in because it very much, in the beginning of the game, explains to you everything without feeling like it's too hand-holding. Like how this trainer school at the beginning of the game teaches you about typing and basically weaknesses and that's something i really enjoy how easy it is now to access the game for newcomers
0: yeah for sure and that's actually something that was a negative for me though is that i did feel like i'm not going to go as far as some a lot of people are saying where that i don't feel like it holds your hand too much exactly but i do feel like if you've played these games before you should have been able to skip a lot of the intro stuff because like the first like good three or four hours is a lot of really basic explanation which like you said is good for newcomers but someone like me who's played every generation from the the day that it comes out from since 1996 all the way till today or whenever they were released here in the United States it's like like the beginning of the game really dragged to me because it was like I I know all this already (laughs) like and not just the tight matchups but like really basic stuff you know like like what this is what poison does or whatever and
1: Yeah, of... I, I I can see that because, you know, for for a lot of veterans, this is like the seventh time in a row. They're like, oh, let me teach you how to catch Pokemon and stuff. Ooh, here's a couple of Pokeballs. Watch me first. Yeah, and
0: even in those games though, that was that only took like five minutes. This game I feel like you're in tutorial mode for the first three or four hours. So it does get a little grating, but again, it's all about accessibility and I feel like they with the especially with the Alola forms, where all of them are just Gen one Pokemon, that they were making a very conscious effort to hook people who haven't played since red or blue, or people who played Pokemon go and bought a three d s now like you were saying
1: Thanks. yeah so um,
0: and so,
1: uh, i I think that was their basically their main thing about this game. they were trying to lure in back people who had only you, you know played the original Pokemon while still having a good selection of many Pokemon from across the generations because up until now I had, when I had played through uh, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire recently I thought that was like the best distribution of Pokemon that they had I think they had a really good balance in that game but now going into Sun and Moon, I think Sun and Moon actually has the best balance overall. You know, they take from almost every gen, you know. There's still a bunch of, like, gen 1 and 2 Pokemon in there, but, you know, sprinkled in throughout the game are, you know, Ruby Sapphire, Diamond Pearl, Black White, you know.
0: Hmm. That's interesting, too, because that's probably one of my least favorite things about the game is I thought the distribution was one of the worst <laughs> out of worst. any of them. Really? <laughs> but, but for me, it's like, you're right. You're not wrong because there are, like, Pokemon from every gen sprinkled throughout, but the thing is that in every Pokemon game that I've played, like, you know, certain Pokemon show up frequently in certain areas, and certain ones don't. In this game, it feels like the same Pokemon frequently appear throughout the entire game, and that it takes a really long time to find the new stuff. Like, for example, it's like, I think Alola Rattata is, like, every everywhere, and if it's not Rattata, it's Raticate. And even in even in every other version where you had Pokemon that are super common, like Pidgey or Pidgeotto, there would be a lot of roots and areas where those don't show up anymore. And those are replaced with a few with mostly new common ones. So that way you're not, you know, just seeing the same things over and over again. But on this game, it got to the point where I just stopped looking for wild Pokemon after a while, because every, 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 every piece of tall grass I was guaranteed to find, like, three or four Rattatas or Raticates before I found something new. Or when you're fishing, oh, my God, like, every... For one thing in this game, fishing, you can't just fish anywhere anymore. You have to go to, like, designated spots.
1: Yeah, uh, fishing's basically been restricted a bit to these, uh, these little holes in the ground, basically. Sort of like a... What? Like, a little...
0: Like little, cove. little uh, not, not coves. Yeah. Know. But yeah, I, yeah. But I get what you mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So basically you're going to these uh, little holes in the ground and you're basically just fishing there, but I I oh, will say that's a that is a downside for me. I think the um the water type Pokemon in this game has been severely limited because I can't tell you how many times I've been fishing and the only things I get are either a Magikarp, a um a goldine. Or just uh, tentacle. Th- that's like it.
0: Yeah, and it's like, and it it doesn't change throughout the entire game. That's again, that's like my biggest frustration with the distribution. Because technically, yes, if you go to that, like in the fourth island, you can find some new Pokemon, like that one anchor Pokemon. That's like a like a living anchor. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Delmize. I really like that Pokemon. I really like the. Uh, I actually really like the. Uh, I-, I like it. Yeah.
0: And I really like that one too, but it's only in one spot in the game and it's the fourth island. And I was fishing there for like an hour and it was all magic harps and like five whalemers the whole time. And never found yeah. it. And it's like they-
1: Oh really? Cause like I found it on like my first try. I just like went into one of the houses, went to like the back of the house and then started fishing. Yeah. And, and that was like yeah. the first thing. And that's thing. the
0: only place that you can find it. And I know that I read online somewhere that and of course I haven't verified this and I don't know if I could without actually going into the coding of the game But from what a lot of people were saying that there's a lot of Pokemon with like 1% encounter rates which makes complete sense if I'm sitting there fishing for an hour and I'm getting 50 Magikarps and five Whalemur the whole time and not the thing that I'm looking for and I know it's there too because the Pokedex, you know says you have to fish here to get it and that's just one of one example of many because Corsola I never found and I was fishing for an hour and a half like after an hour, I found a love disc which I had never seen before. But other than that, it was just Magic Harp and the occasional wishy washy. Um. Um. In
1: yeah, but uh, I, I I sort of had the same problem because um, yesterday I was up almost all night looking for a happy You know, the uh, baby version of Chansey. Uh, Chansey. Chansey. Yes. And so the Pokedex was showing like, oh, it's literally on like Route Two, like in Melee Melee. So. I was constantly trying to look for it and I could never find it. But basically what I had to do was I had I had a rare encounter with a Bonsley and so what I did was I used one of the new items, the Adrenaline Orb, and that basically uh, made the Bonsley very nervous and when it called out for help, it called out for a uh, Happiny. So that's how I was able to get it.
0: Right. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that probably leads me to my least favorite feature in the entire game which is the pokemon's ability to call for help and on the surface and just like on the most basic level it's a it's a good thing because in x and y and ruby and and omega ruby alpha sapphire there was the horde battle mechanic where you'd have a chance to like fight five wild pokemon at once and people use that for quick like eevee training or you had a higher chance of finding them with their hidden ability whereas in this one there's no horde battles but replacing that is once the pokemon drops to below half health they have a chance to call for help which is a mechanic that's in other rpgs where sometimes the enemy will have an ability where they can call for like an extra enemy to attack you now yeah
1: like in uh, earthbound yeah pretty yeah like that's, exactly that's one of earthbound. the most fun <laughs> things and
0: there's you know there's a ton of other rpgs too so uh,
1: yeah and, and- can i just say that um talking about horde battles that was probably one of my least favorite aspects of x and y and omega ruby alpha sapphire just for the fact that it would basically cut the frame rate of the 3ds to like 10 frames per second making it almost unplayable
0: but if when you play double battles in this game especially if it's against a trainer then the the uh, frame rate drops just as bad though too
1: yeah yeah yeah. i noticed that we can we can get that into that a bit later if you want to. yeah for
0: sure but like the call for help thing the reason why it sucks isn't just be isn't the mechanic itself the mechanic itself on paper is great because that way you can have more and more pokemon coming in you can build up more experience or ev points if you were trying to ev train um you have a higher chance of finding either shinies or um, hidden ability pokemon that way so all of that's well and good but The fatal flaw in this feature is that you can't catch one of the Pokemon if there's two on the field which when it was horde battles I could get it I get it in a way because there was five of them but I still didn't even like it when it was with horde battles but now it's just two Pokemon and they say oh we're um, more than one Pokemon on the field he can't aim at one of them and I'm like that's the dumbest thing in the world especially because it's like not, not only does it make no common sense but the way that the mechanic works is that when they call for help it doesn't take up their turn like they attack and then at the end of both your turns it'll call for help and it has like a chance of working either working or not working Um, so what happens is that you can end up in like a almost infinite loop where you'll you'll beat one of the Pokemon and then you're going to try to catch the other one but then when that turns over where you defeated the second Pokemon it calls for help and another one comes and it creates this cycle that takes That's kind of hard to break Especially when I think I was trying to catch a Beldum, which has a really which is really hard to catch anyway and the only move it knows is takedown which does damage to itself and I was just in a battle for 40 minutes trying to catch one where it kept breaking out of my pokeball It would call for help it would use takedown and kill itself then I would weaken the other one then that one would call for help kill itself with takedown and i ended up fighting like i think 10 of them in that same battle before i finally caught it
1: yeah i i am going to completely agree with you um at at first glance i was um i was like oh this is an interesting mechanic this can go places but um it quickly turned into something very frustrating as um it gets very annoying and tedious and like you said you can't catch um, a pokemon if there are two on the field which just boggles me because you you should be able to do that it's not like there it's a horde battle where there's like five or six of them there's only two and for some reason that that just confuses the game way too much for some reason and um basically i i had a same horror story with you like my first time in the Diglett cave when i was in uh, a kala island i took one step encountered a zubat and basically every single turn it called for help And so, it took me 30 minutes to finally, like, get out of that battle because the Zubat just kept calling for more Zubats every time I killed one. They they summoned, like, eight of them, and I was just so fed up. I I, I forgot how I even made it out, but after that, I'm like, you know what, I'm going somewhere else right now to do other things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's ridiculous. It gets insanely frustrating, especially if you're trying to catch it. Because if you're trying to catch it, then it's just taking you forever to do something that should only take like two minutes. But, yeah, aside from that, I would I do want to move on to what we thought of the new Pokemon. But before we do, I just want to touch on a few of the other important gameplay changes. So, on the positive side, there's no more HMs. Those are all replaced by the um, Poke... What was it called? The Poke... Yeah, the Poke rider So... Um, you know, the much talked about feature where you, instead of having to hoard a bunch of useless moves on one Pokemon that eats up a space in your party, now you just call Pokemon to help. And I thought that was handled really well. And the most hilarious one is the very last one you get, which is the Machamp that uses strength and how it's just, it's like the,
1: it's just, it's just cradling you in its arms like a small child. Yeah.
0: It's like cradling you with its bottom arms while it's like pushing rocks with its top arms. It's like the most hilarious thing. Um, My. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I. I actually really do like this. Um. Because HM's. Yeah. HM's were like a thing of the past. You know. They even uh referenced that in one of the uh parts in the game where uh girls like, oh here uh take this H, take this uh take this TM. It's for fly. But actually, in Kanto and other regions, we call these HM's because they're harder to find. So HMs don't exist in Alola because they're just common. They're just more common. And I thought that was really interesting. And by the way, I know they probably um, put this in previous Pokemon games, but I do like how uh, TMs are not a one-use thing anymore. I like how they just basically stay with you now. And that you can just take them on and off whenever you want to. I
0: think that was since Diamond and Pearl. um, Yeah, I'm almost positive it was since Diamond and Pearl. But yeah, that that's, that features a lifesaver because when they were one use, it was terrible. It would give you anxiety trying to figure out which one to give this one move to that you could never use on another Pokemon again unless you bought another copy and traded it over or something.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, I was actually playing the Virtual Console version of Yellow uh, earlier this year and something came up where I wanted to give one of my Pokemon a TM so I I had to go through the money of saving up all that money and then buying the TM and only to find out that it was unusable with that Pokemon. So I had just wasted my money on that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I mean, that's definitely a positive change that's been made over the years. But um, as far as what they've done with this one, um, aside from the HMs, I feel like the biggest positive change they've made is just shaking up the whole gym system and replacing them with the island challenge because i don't know if you felt this way but the totem like when you battle the kahunas it just pretty much felt like business as usual where they specialize in a type and then you just fight them and then win but before you could get to those points you had those totem battles and i felt like the totem battles were actually really challenging like
1: where i I really enjoyed the uh totem battles and I actually have to say, uh, going if we're going just into the trials in general, I really enjoyed how um, how different they were. Like uh, probably some of my favorite cha- uh, challenges, just for how weird they were, were the um, was the jungle challenge where you're going around finding all this stuff for a recipe to uh, right. to lure the totem out, and you know you get play a little uh, mini game that is uh, very. Uh, sexualized a bit uncomfortable in some places but um i i really did enjoy that and the other one was um the fire challenge i actually laughed really hard at that yeah, one
0: like the fire challenge is weird because you're expecting it to be like a legitimately hard challenge where you're gonna have to like keep a close eye but they completely subvert your expectations and they make the answers really easy but by making them really funny like having the tourists randomly jump in front and they're like what's changed in the picture
1: yeah, um, and I actually like that because at first it it, it does trick you into thinking it's going to be serious because one of the cubones is actually facing the other. No, no, the Marowaks. One of the Marowaks is actually facing the other way in one of them, and it's like, oh, that Marowak was so impressed with you that he just needed to battle you but then it goes into like the second one is like oh the hiker was so impressed that he just needed to battle you and then like the third one just the the totem pokemon shows up out of nowhere and it's like oh the totem pokemon was so impressed he just had to battle you
0: (laughs) yeah like we were saying earlier too the game might feel like has a great sense of humor more so than most of the other ones but yeah i mean those like the actual totem battles too were felt like for the first time in the entire series felt like legitimate boss fights where some of them were really, really, really challenging. I feel like especially the, the grass one was the one that I had the hardest time with. Like I barely scraped by on that one after the, Lu, oh. Luna, what is it called? Uh, Luantis, Lunatis? like the, the bacon mantis, whatever that one's called. Whatever. That um, is called. <laughs> um, it like has its special oh, attack boosted, it's special And attack. then it calls in a cast form that uses, sunny day which makes its strongest attack which is normally a two-turn attack makes it go through in one turn so it's like it just keeps stomping all over your pokemon and it's yeah i mean it felt like a legitimate even with the exp share it felt like a legitimate challenge more so than any of the other boss battles or gym battles in other pokemon games
1: uh yeah yeah i really did enjoy the uh the totem battles mostly because uh one of the coolest things is that like you, you, there is actually like danger in it because like at one point it will use its Z move on you and it'll just like completely obliterate you at some point point. Right.
0: and then um gonna we have about 20 minutes left so I'm gonna try to speed through the rest of the gameplay but since that's pretty much everything that I loved about it so now that you mentioned Z moves I'm gonna start talking about things I didn't like starting with Z moves because at the end of the day they just it's it's good in the sense that with Mega Evolution it prioritized the Pokemon that could Mega evolve and everyone else was kind of left behind, which I'm so on that sense I'm glad that Z moves are inclusive by type so every Pokemon could use them. Uh, but I don't like how the way that they're implemented is just they're they're either glorified they're like glorified one hit KO moves. I feel like you know you'll call in the Pokemon that's strong against the one you're fighting, use Z move, and And that's it. And and at the end of the day, I feel like they're not really that useful because there's so many great hold items that can strengthen your Pokémon in more flexible ways that the fact that they're forced to hold the Z-Crystal to use the attack is taking up a valuable slot that could be used for, like, a choice item or Evil Light, depending on what you're using, or, like, a variety of other things.
1: And, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, obviously, because, you know, why would... Uh, with your thinking, I think you'd probably be saying something like, why would I want to use a Z move when I can just use that regular move and it would still be just as effective as if I used that.
0: Yeah, and not just that, but then you'll also have the benefit of a different hold item that's more flexible instead of just giving you access to one super attack.
1: Yeah, um, but uh, personally, um, I I, I just enjoy them on a casual level, you know, just using them for fun. I've I've already used them in a couple of uh, online battles with some friends. And I've been enjoying them, but obviously, yes, they do take up that very important item move that you could, you know, use on something else like a um, uh, speed boost. And can, can I just say on a side note, like all the new Pokemon in this game are like super slow. Oh god, I know.
0: And well, yeah. And the next, um, I wanted to talk about Pokemon next, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, like it. I feel like they're almost actively trying to make you stick to the Gen One Pokemon. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're just really slow. It's like, um, I feel like going to the Festival Plaza, which I guess we'll also talk about a little bit, um, like you probably have to go to one of those bounce houses to increase their stats, you know, a bit.
0: Yeah, like, and Pokemon, like the Pokemon Plaza is just, it's such a nightmare to navigate because if you're unfamiliar with what it is, it's basically the new way that you connect to your friends or strangers online. And to me, X and Y and Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire had it perfect. Where you know you just connect to the internet, and then all your friends are listed. Um, anybody who's nearby locally was listed, and then it gave you a, like a huge list of strangers from around the world who happen to be playing, and you can just interact with them with a touch of a you know with the touch of the touchscreen. With this one, they tried to implement that same mechanic, but with like but with like a bunch of other mini games that you can play to build up currency for special items but it's such a it's such a mess like it's laid out so horribly like it's really hard to find people that you're looking for even if you go to like your friends list half the time they won't show up and you'll be furiously texting each other back and forth saying I'm online where are you and they're like I'm online I don't see you either
1: I I think the biggest thing to take from this is um it suffers from what I think is the uh, Smash Brothers menu syndrome where um you basically at one point in the previous entry in the series, you had this really good, nice layout, which showed you all the stuff, like Brawl and Melee. They had really concise and easy-to-navigate menus. And then for Smash Bros. 3DS and Wii U and Pokemon Sun and Moon, there are just these big buttons that take you to so many different sub-menus. It's, it just gets very confusing and frustrating.
0: Yeah. And, like, and like here's the thing. I'm not against them trying something new with it, but I feel like they should have kept them both like you should have still had the x and y layout where you can easily access your friends list but if you tap on the menu to go to the uh, festival plaza you could still do all of that too and not have to have it all forced into that one overly complicated not complicated that's not the right word but like you know overly convoluted crowded confusing menu that like that's just so inefficient compared to what they had before and like you were saying with like the smash brothers comparison it does seem like every generation has at least one really good feature that the next generation cuts out for something worse worse and
1: yeah like um building on that i want to say that the omega ruby and alpha sapphire while i was playing it i love the uh PokeNav plus feature it was very a very welcome addition because it was basically like okay here's all the pokemon we're, we're gonna tell you how many Pokemon are in this area and when you have caught them all so that you can finally move on, and you don't have to just keep blindly looking for them. And I I love the thing how you could even track Pokemon separately. Like, if you're like, oh, I want to find a rare um, I want to keep hunting uh, Bonsleys to maybe get, find like a level 15 one in a patch of like level four. And, you know, this also increases my chances of a shiny every time I defeat one more of them. But, you know, they completely uprooted it again in uh, Sun and Moon, and I thought that was a real shame. I mean, they kind of have it. I mean, there's still, like, random Pokemon that come out and attack you sometimes, but I don't think it was really well thought through as it was in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, where, you know, you could sneak up behind a Pokemon.
0: And not just that, but those Pokemon in this game only show up in, like, four areas the whole game. It's like it's ve- it's ve- it happens so little that you pretty much forget it exists until you come up across it again.
1: Yeah, it's very situational, and most of the times it was just, um, it was very annoying to me because I'd be trying to get to some place quickly, and then like all of a sudden I'd I'd brush by a bush, and then it, something would attack me from there. And so I'd have to just sit through the cutscene of the Pokemon shadow attacking me, and then it's going into the battle system, and then me running away, and then just going to another tree, and then it all happening yeah, again. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, the games should just completely abandon uh, random encounters, and should just completely focus on what they did with the PokeNav, where. The only time that you get into a battle... Like, even even with the PokéNav, there were still random battles mixed in with the sneaking. But to me, they should just completely get rid of random battles altogether and have everything be PokéNav encounters or something similar. Because... Something similar
1: uh, because... I, I would love to see that happen. If the uh, Pokémon Stars rumor for Nintendo Switch is real, I would love to see them re-implement PokéNav Plus and just expand more on yeah, that. Yeah,
0: because it's like... And I don't know if you felt this either, but it seems like they lowered the encounter rate when you're surfing or when you're in caves, but they really upped the encounter rate in grass, because there were so many times where I would only take like two steps, like especially in those Oricorico caves where it's just nothing but grass pretty much
1: um definitely, I will say I feel like they definitely did that because I can't tell you how frustrating it was to go through that one desert area and just every now and then keep running into people, keep running into a random encounter every couple of steps. Like I I just got fed up and put on repel, but even then, you know, the the wild aggressive pokemon still attacked me. Yeah. So I really wasn't safe most of the time. Right.
0: And then yeah, and, and just just to wrap up the gameplay section a little bit, um how now almost every route there's a trainer that you can only fight if you beat all the other trainers, which was annoying because I just kind of wanted to get it over with. Um uh, there was
1: I actually I thought, actually thought it would, that was kind of interesting, but I don't think they did much
0: with yeah, it. I thought it was interesting, especially because they give you really, like, normally hard-to-get items when you beat them. But it was just very poorly implemented. Like, if nothing else, they should have been at the end of the route, but they're almost always at the fr- at the beginning of it. So it's like you have to backtrack through all the grass to get to them afterwards. And it, and it just made it obnoxious.
1: Uh, one more thing I want to touch on, actually, before we moved on was, c- very quickly, uh, Pokemon Pelago and Pokemon Refresh, and which, going to Pokemon Refresh, it's basically a tweaked version of Pokemon to me from X and Y and Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, and actually, I really enjoy that. I actually think they made some really cool changes, like, I love how basically, like, you can heal status effects now after a battle in the- there if you're playing through, so, like, even if you've run out of like antidotes or awakenings, you can still have a way to refresh your Pokemon afterwards before going into the next yeah, battle.
0: I thought that was really well done, too, and especially how they get like the Pokemon will get dirty from battle, and you have the option of cleaning them afterwards. so it it basically took Pokemon and me and applied it to the rest of the gameplay instead of making it feel completely separate. And they also like yeah, and, and they also, also streamlined was- it to the point where you didn't have to, like, constantly pay attention to them for hours. You could just feed them a rainbow bean and their affection would go up, like, three hearts. So you didn't have to, like, dedicate a ton of time to it anymore either. Either.
1: Yeah, I, I actually really love that also and, um... I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, like, I'm slightly disappointed that they got rid of some of the minigames, but on the other hand, I can see it because they really didn't do much for the game. Mm-hmm. Really.
0: Yeah, and, like, on that subject too, with the rest of Pokémon palago it's like... It gives you, like, a bunch of different islands to for your boxed Pokemon to be able to level up. Like, one of them lets you either raise their EV points or level up, level them up. One lets them go into caves to find treasure. One basically is just a, a place to harvest beans so you can upgrade the rest of them. And then one to grow berries. And then what was the last one? Oh, the, the um, hot spring.
1: It was like... Uh,
0: which is just to make them more friendly, essentially.
1: And uh, I, I just kind of want to say that, like, it, it's sort of like... I I kind of enjoyed, but it's sort of like a glorified um, iOS game. You know, one of those weird like village games that you buy just you know, just tapping and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you just like because it also has a similar system where you're using the uh, po- poke Beans, which you now use to feed the Pokemon instead of the Poke yeah. Puffs. You feed them Poke Beans to um to basically make them work harder and faster, and that just reminded me of it where it's like you just buy you just download a random ios game it's like a village builder and you buy the building and it's like okay uh this will be done in like 20 minutes but if you spend four crystals you can make it go now yeah. and, and stuff. instead of
0: spending cry- or like real money on crystals you spent your other beans on it so i mean i feel like it's implemented well but again much like we were talking about earlier with the festival plaza i wish I mean, I actually like Pokemon Palago, so I'm not like I don't hate it as much as the festival, but
1: yeah, no, no, I actually do say while, while I was making those uh, similarities, I don't mean it in a bad way because I think they actually do it really well. Because instead, it's like oh, you 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 have a, like a nice balance between getting these beans and also feeding them to your Pokemon, but also it's like okay, um, this will last for longer now. It'll be done quicker, and you know you, now you have a chance of finding better uh better treasures or now your uh berries are gonna grow right. faster
0: yeah and it's just like it's another case where i feel like they should have kept super training and also like they shouldn't have got rid of super training for this like they both could have existed together but um but yeah and just aside from that like the battle royal i felt i felt it's kind of like a pointless feature that people won't really get a lot out of and then the pokey like the um the pokey finder was the last thing i wanted to talk about gameplay wise which You know, It was touted as almost the return of Pokemon Snap, but when you play it, the frame rate is god-awful, and there's only ever one Pokemon there running in a circle, so it's like a really boring, pointless feature at at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: it's like Pokemon Snap, except it's basically completely useless, you know? They're like, oh, if you get this many likes on your picture, you'll be able to upgrade your camera, but you know, you upgrade that camera, and it's like, okay, now you can zoom in, it's like... Oh, that was yeah. the big thing. And okay, then Upgrade whatever. four is
0: like a th- hundred thousand likes, which would re- literally be you sitting there grinding photos for like an uh, like an hour or so, <laughs> and it just.
1: Oh <laughs> well, boy, I can't wait just... to just yeah. Also, I have to say like it, that uses sort of like the uh, gyro, the gyro controls, and it's sort of odd because like it gets really uh, desynced for me. So I'm just trying to catch a picture of this growlet, like just the front side, but it's constantly like squirming everywhere. So I have a really, (laughs) I just have trouble trying to get like a really good picture of it. Yeah,
0: that's why I just turned that off immediately. And I usually like gyro controls, but not for this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just feel like it was a kind of wasted potential, you know, you have this sort of Pokemon Snap-like thing that you're trying to implement, but it's very poorly implemented, and Eve, like, I'll just quickly touch on the Battle Royales also, like, I just think that's completely useless, they that that's just like a throwaway in the story they're like oh here let's do one round in this battle royale and then one round goes and they're like okay back to the story it's like okay what was the yeah point and they of replaced
0: that? rotation battles and triple battles for that because they said the frame rate couldn't handle it which was weird but and that's another case where that bastard cuckoo. is a liar like his wife didn't even know that he was the wrestler but that's a, that's aside from the point but moving on to our favorite and least favorite pokemon that were introduced into this game um somewhat of a lightning round here, so I'm gonna go through quick. Um again, my biggest complaint on the roster is that no matter how um you know how no matter how much varieties in each area, you're pretty much just running into Ratitas and Magikarp the whole game. But when you do run into new Pokemon, like there's very few brand new Pokemon in this game. And there's so few Alola forms of old Pokemon that I almost feel like it's wasted potential. But of what they do have um, Mudsdale, I thought, which is a, was a really good Pokemon, especially from its borderline broken ability, where every time it takes damage, its defense goes up. Um, Primarina was definitely my favorite of the starters because not not only because I pick water all the time, but I ended up with all three of them, and I know you have all three also. So I don't know if you feel the same way, but Primarina's typing and its attack, its move pool, are much more. Um, you know offer like much more of an advantage throughout the story and outside of the story compared to like the grass starter its highest status is um special attack but it learns all physical attacks and then um and then the fire starter is just fire dark so it has a ton of weaknesses and it's really really slow
1: yeah i will say that uh one of the things is that uh uh, I think Lyddon I think Lidden is actually the fastest out of all three of the uh starters. But um I, I will agree I really enjoy uh Primarina I I love the Poplio evolutions. Uh Brione was actually my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Brione's like just so adorable. I actually contemplated at one point not evolving it for a while. <laughs> but um, I love I love that so much. Although yeah, weirdly enough Poplio's the one where it's like almost a very slim chance of you getting a female version,
0: and that's weird too because I didn't know that that was the case. And I, my second one I ever bred was a female, and I traded it off to my friend because I didn't realize. But I mean, I don't, I don't, oh. I, I don't really care either way, so it's not that big of a deal to me.
1: But- and um, some of my other favorite Pokemon though in this one, um, I have to say. I, I know a lot of people haven't been, like, too enthused with some of the more recent Pokemon. Like, I know there's a lot of people who always joke about, you know, Klefki and uh, the one that looks like an ice cream cone. And in in, in this one, it's Sandygast, which is a, a literal sandcastle in which, I have to say, <laughs> um, I absolutely think it's hilarious. I, I think that's actually probably one of my favorite ones just because how oh, yeah. it looks. It's literally just, like, a clump of sand with, like, a shovel sticking out yeah, of it. Yeah, that's but... me, too. I like, I always like the
0: really dumb ones, mostly because of how it worked up everybody gets. But I love that it evolves into a bigger sand castle and its name is literally Sand. Like, is it is it just me, or a lot of the Pokemon in this game sound like they're named after, that they're Skylanders instead of Pokemon? It's like, I could hear, <laughs> like, I could <laughs> like, I don't know if you played Skylanders, but I could I, uh... hear the narrator's voice, like, going, like, two cannon. Crab Brawler, or, <laughs> two like, kid like, Some of the names are so weird, but but yeah, no, I love the Sandcastle too. Um, as far as a legend,
1: Fire Quick Palossand. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous. But um, aside like more towards the right, back to the regular Pokemon. I thought Golisopod was a really good one, which is like the main Team Skull Pokemon. It has a really interesting ability where it automatically switches out of battle once it's taken too much damage. Um, Stuffle was like really adorable that was another one where i didn't even want to evolve it it's like a teddy bear wearing pants pretty much
1: oh yeah that turns in, but that turned into like one of the most like weirdly intense pokemon beware. yeah
0: and Be- beware is like really really good like it almost i think wasn't that the last one that kukui uses it or no it was the last one of the last ones that um Lusamine used and it almost oh. killed me
1: yeah i i just find it hilarious it's this it's just this bear that looks like super adorable but it like has such immense such immense strength and in one of the pokédexes for either sun or moon it talks about how it like just completely breaks the back of like a pokemon and just completely kills it some of the pokédex
0: entries in this game especially like they've been getting darker but this one seems to have a lot of really dark ones
1: yeah there there is a lot of dark ones but it's like it's weird because in one version it'll have like a really dark pokedex entry like oh this pokemon like um uh, traps its user in a bubble and slowly kills it and then in the other one will say it's like oh it makes friendly little bubbles for all the other pokemon (laughs)
0: yeah no that's something that's so weird i know but um oh no go ahead
1: Going to one one of my other favorite Pokemon, I actually have to say it was the uh, starter bird, Picky Peck. Mm. I actually really enjoy that. Um, I very much enjoy its evolution. I really like how it's designed. Um, Trumbeak, I really like that second evolution. And then uh, going to Tucannon. I just really like the Pokemon all around, and I think he really um, came through for me in a lot of the uh, things.
0: Tucannon is funny because it looks pissed off like all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah he, he just looks very like, mad like I'm I'm like, looking at him right now in the Pokedex he just doesn't look enthused at like, all I really like
0: Toucanon but the one thing that turned me off from it a little bit and it's kind of similar to Oshawott and uh, like some other Pokemon throughout the series where it looks nothing like what, it, what it's previous evolutions were it's like how does a woodpecker become a Toucan
1: yeah, I will say that that was a little bit odd because I can see the the similarities from Pikipek to uh, Trumbeak. I actually really do like Trumbeak. I will have thought like I would have kind of liked the evolution to be like a almost a bigger version of Trumbeak. You know, a little bit more majestic, but instead you just get this like
0: long nosed yeah, parrot. It's, it's so weird, but for yeah. some reason. Um like rounding out my regular Pokemon would be wishy washy, which is that Pokemon where it's a it's a small fish where its ability is that it calls a school of fish and it turns into this giant one. And then when it's almost dead, it yes. basically beca- becomes useless because the school disappears and it's just the one fish. Um, Lycanroc Midnight. I know that the uh, sentiment is that Lycanroc Midnight's not very good, but I really like both its design and it carried me through um, quite a bit of the story towards the end. So it's actually a rare rock Pokemon that's really fast so I think that's what I really liked about it um, Oricoriko especially the lightning one that looks like a cheerleader is just completely adorable and I don't care if it sucks I'm going to find a way to use it and then oh no go ahead,
1: go ahead. no no I, I actually really like the uh, the gimmick behind Oricorio where the different nectar you give it changes its uh, perception and types and stuff I really do like that it gives it more it gives it more uh, variety right. To one Pokemon. and then
0: as far as the i don't want to focus too much on the alola forms but my absolute favorite by a long shot was uh the marowak because it's unique typing it just looks great and if there was one that i would just absolutely want to have around all the time on my team or whatever that would definitely be it but like aside from that like the legendaries and the ultra beasts like the side quests of the ultra beasts at the end i thought were handled really well of uh, like we said earlier the cover legendaries the way that they're um that they're handled and the connection they give you to them is really great but i have to say that i was actually really proud when i ran into the final pokemon in the pokedex which is uh necrozma and i found it completely by accident while i was searching for like a Sableye or something and it's like the most badass looking pokemon i think i've ever seen seen. really so uh where'd you find um, it after you find all the ultra did you find all the ultra beasts already
1: I did. I did find all the okay. ultra and beasts. And then you know the
0: part where like they basically say, "Oh, another ultra beast appeared," but they dismiss it because they said you found all of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You have it's in the tall grass in, um... what's it called? Tericru- 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 T Carrot Hill, or something like that. Ten Tericru- Carrot Hill, or something yeah, like Ten yeah, Carrot Hill. Is, ten Carrot Hill. Um, it's all the way in the back uh-huh. where there's a like once you go through the cave and go through the back and there's a bunch of tall grass back there. It'll just show up as one of the as let's just like random Pokemon. And it's level seventy five. Oh, really? Nice. It's even though they act like it's an ultra beast, it's not an ultra beast. So the ultra the beast balls do absolutely nothing on it. And I actually wandered in there with only like three ultra balls, but I managed to catch it with a timer ball after like going back and forth for a while. But yeah, I thought that. Want oh, to go ahead. No, no, no. no, no, no I you was just going to say that I thought the legendaries were really ha- handled really well. The the new Pokemon had great designs and some really unique gimmicks it's just that there's not enough of them
1: yeah, um, I will say uh, going back to the Alola forms just very quickly. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite Alola forms besides the Marowak, had to be the uh, Diglett and Doug trio. I just love how it just has these flowing uh, blonde lock, golden oh God, locks so of hair. Funny. It's oh just, God, it so <laughs> it's just so amazing. But my favorite Ultra Beast has to be the the uh, one of the version exclusives in Pokemon Sun, and that is. Buzzwool. is that the buff mosquito he is, is buff mosquito? yes he is basically like this ripped insect like this ripped mosquito and it's it's completely amazing that his name is buzz <laughs> i
0: i really like the sexy cockroach but that's just me and then just i can't mention the pokemon without the mentioning the tapus which i thought all look really cool and have really cool gimmicks but it's just weird that no one gives a shit that you just pretty much captured their gods
1: yeah, I was actually uh, wondering that myself because I was playing through the end game. I had gone through the Pokemon League and finally registered, and you know that's one of the last scenes before uh, Lily leaves for Kanto, which we never even touched upon that stuff. But um, basically, like you, you go to thank Tapu Koko, and basically you get into a battle, and you just capture it. It's like and then you go around capturing all the gods of the islands it's like um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would I- the kahunas think about this you're, you're literally stealing their gods and just shoving them into these this sad little PC yeah, box that's, that's definitely one case
0: where I wish when you caught them it would have been story related and not just like post game content because I feel like you need as much as they hype them up as being like the island guardians that you needed a story explanation as to why you're taking all of them away <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like, why are you all of a sudden just stealing away these, like, ancient gods that (laughs) worship them? I mean, I I can kind of see, like, they kind of mentioned it a little bit when they were talking about how um, they respect strong trainers and stuff but I don't think yeah, that Yeah, to was the point, off. they
0: respect you to the point where they're going to completely abandon their responsibilities and leave the islands to fend off, like, famine and disease while they're forsaking them to sit in your PC all day, <laughs> to hang out eating, to eat out hanging beans in Good
1: S- Sitting, yes, just sitting yeah. in the hot tubs, being like, uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, I'll no. go later. I mean, maybe it's I'll ridiculous, but,
0: but, uh, I mean, no. But, yeah.
1: Um, and I will say, going back to legendaries, um, I was, I am the one that was crazy enough to hunt down all the Zygarde cells and cores to create a 100% perfect yeah, form Zygarde. That's driving
0: me, like, I appreciate that there's actually, like, a collect-a-thon, like, um, like, feature, because, you know, Pokemon games are usually hit or miss with post-game content, so that gives you a lot of things to do. But when I found out that some only show up during the day and some only during the night, I was kind of like, screw this, I don't want to bother.
1: Yeah, I, I basically gave up on that and just looked at a uh, walkthrough. And so I was basically like six away, and for about an hour or two, I was just trying to track down the last cell because I could not, for the life yeah. of me, find it. And, yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, just so yeah, frustrating. I mean, it,
0: that's another part where it's like great in concept, bad in execution. And then, real quick before we get to our wrap up, um, a big portion of the game that they gave away in the trailers unfortunately was when you get to fight either red or blue so real quick who did you choose and who did you and did you win
1: um i fought against blue and i actually really enjoyed it i i won because i think blue was actually the easier of both of them because i looked at a couple of red videos and it seems like red was actually yeah. pretty tough
0: i picked i picked yeah. blue also because I, I figured I blue also. we fought red already at the end of um, gold and silver, and I was kind of interested to see what Pokemon, um, which starter they would give blue, which I know in, I figured they would go by Pokemon yellow and give him one of the Eevees but he ended up having neither. But yeah, he almost killed me because um, I didn't have an electric type with me. That was another thing about that battle. Like almost every other major battle in the game, they heal you before you start. But when you get there, they just throw you into the fight with either red or blue. And so my Pokemon were weak. And I didn't have an electric type with me, and his last Pokemon was Gyarados, so he used like Dragon Dance a couple times and almost swept my whole team. But I think my uh, my uh, Lorantis was able to like barely beat him before he wiped us out. So, but that was a lot of fun. I wish that they were you were able to fight them again outside of the um, outside of the Battle Tower, which in this game is called what was it again? The Battle Tree. That's right. Okay, so...
1: Yeah, basically, okay, so. basically, it's just a bunch... It's, it's Yeah, it's basically the Battle Tower where you can't take in legendaries, but, you know, you are going up a flight of stairs and just doing this endurance test and trying to face a whole bunch of people. I haven't really gone into that yet, but um, I know one problem that somebody uh, who I was playing with brought up was that you can't do it online. You can only do it locally or by yourself. Mm-hmm, so right. that was a bit odd. But, um... Actually, speaking of uh, red and blue, I before we quickly wrap up our thoughts, I want to just briefly touch upon um, some of the end game stuff and um, the connections between this and Kanto. Right. Because um, near the end of the story, basically, what happens is you guys go to the Ultra Beast world. In this case, basically, Ultra Beasts are said basically to be Pokemon from another dimension. And so, basically, Lucamine gets, you know, she gets, what was it? Uh, she sort of gets, not brainwashed, She like, ends up comatose,
0: but... essentially.
1: Yeah, she she ends up comatose because uh, one of the... Uh, the What was the name of the jellyfish ultra-beast oh, again? It was like, Nihelo or something? I'll
0: look it up while you talk about it.
1: Um, Nehello. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's kind of, she, she sort of, uh, fuses with it, and she kind of, in a way, becomes uh, possessed by it, and so, basically, what happens is, once you beat her, she goes into a comatose, but, um, by the way, this is very, a lot of this stuff is actually kind of poorly explained, which, even though I love the story, there are a lot of poorly explained things, like, it never really explained that cause Cosmog evolved at one point, neither did it explain, um, some of the other things in the game. But, basically, you find out that she still has a poison inside her from the Ultra Beast, and that they are sending her to Kanto because they, they had heard the stories about uh, Bill, who created the Pokemon PC box, and how in the first game, he transformed himself into a Pokemon accidentally and used a Pokemon separation machine to get himself back to normal. And so they think, "Oh, so if we go to Kanto, we can possibly find Bill and, you know, cure my mother of this." So that's why Lily left Alola for Kanto and she's going over there. And I thought it was really interesting mostly because um for the longest time I had uh, guessed because this is probably one of the biggest Pokemon games to date. It has like the biggest file size ever. For a Pokemon game, if you download it, I was really hoping that the post game you'd be able to go to Kanto and, you know, explore this like brand new Kanto like 20 years after the original, kind of like how you did in Heart, Gold, Soul, Silver, or just the originals. But I think this could open up the chance for there to be like a red and blue type sequel where you do explore Kanto as this person from sun and moon and you are going over there to kanto to continue this story and i i just wanted to know your thoughts on this i
0: think that i wouldn't even mind if we just flat out played as lily if they did that because you know we've done we've done the silent protagonist for so long it would be a great shake-up and a natural progression of the story from sun and moon to actually play as lily And become that strong Pokemon trainer that she finally decides to become while wrapping up her story to cure her mother I think that would be a really interesting way to take it, but I just don't Like that's all hypothetical though because I really don't think they're gonna do another like Kanto remake I feel like they're probably gonna stick more to their formula and if anything do like a diamond and pearl one But I mean, yeah, I mean if they were to do that, I would be hundred and ten percent on board just playing as Lily forsake completely forsaking the silent protagonist thing and just growing on that story
1: and i just had a thought because again going back to that pokemon stars switch rumor i would love to maybe see something added like something like the delta episode you just add in like a post game where you get to either play as lily or you yourself get to go to kanto and experience that story and have it wrapped up I think that would be a really interesting thing to do instead of doing like a complete Kanto remake.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of directions they can go and it's exciting to see what they can do. Uh, they definitely left a lot of threads out. I feel like we should just have a mini-game where we just need to shove Nebby in the goddamn bag. <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep, see how
1: long yeah. you can keep it in. Sort of like the uh, Battletoads Infinite Turbo Tunnel Challenge or <laughs> yeah, right. a replay. Just how long can you keep him in, yeah, in, for in sure. the bag?
0: But yeah, just to wrap up then, what are uh, your overall thoughts on this game and if you were to rank it amongst the other Pokemon generations, what would you where would you put this or what order would you have them all in at this point?
1: Okay, so trying to think back, the Pokemon games I have played, not including spin-off games, but just mainline games were Red, Blue, Red Blue, Gold Silver, Heart Gold Soul Silver, Fire Red Leaf Green. Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and X and Y. If I were to rank them from best to worst, it would have to be. Gold and Silver would be up there, with Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver being the first one, because that's just still an amazing DS game. There's so much to do. I love some of the sprite styles in that game. I love the story. I love the legendaries. I love everything about that game. And so, Heart, Gold, Soul Silver would still be number one. But I think trailing that would have to be probably Pokemon Sun and Moon, because I really enjoyed some... I know there were a couple of missteps. Like, they, they still need to get that frame rate down, and um, the graphics could have been way better. I mean, um, I don't... I'm not usually a fan of Yokai Watch, but I do respect Level 5, because they have some beautiful visuals in that game, and they're constantly pushing the system. I feel like... Game Freak hasn't tried to push the limits of the 3DS yet, and that to me is a bit disappointing. But otherwise, I think Pokemon Sun and Moon is probably the second best game out of them. Uh, trailing that would be the regular red, red, Blue, Yellow, which I is still a classic and I love. Just a simple story, simple gameplay mechanics. It's just simple all around. And after that would probably be Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, which... I did enjoy for some a lot of the gameplay stuff but a lot of the technical issues still weighed it down and I just couldn't get into the story at all. And then Pokémon X and Y would probably be at the bottom because I'd never even finished that game. I got halfway through yeah, and then sure. got bored.
0: And then for me, as far as Sun and Moon goes, I feel like it's a example of a game that takes one step for, uh one step forward and two steps back because for every amazing much needed improvement that this game makes, it needlessly changed so much to make even the most basic things like catching Pokemon so much harder to do. And again, this generation has like the least amount of new Pokemon through most of the games, through most of the game, like the excitement and wonder of finding new Pokemon is completely lost when all you're doing is finding Rattata and Magikarp the whole time. Um, So it's like, even when you do find new Pokemon, it gets to the point where it's like, it's the exception and not the rule. So I feel like this is, like, roster-wise, I feel like it's a half generation. Like, there's so little new, you know, there's so few new Pokemon that it's, like, it feels almost half-hearted. And on top of, like, you know, the problems we were talking about as far as the calling for help, as far as how fishing's been limited, as far as how the encounter rate for a lot of Pokemon, even some old ones are, like, 1% apparently, or that they'll only appear if another one calls for help. Like, all of those unnecessary changes or unnecessary features like the poke finder which add like absolutely nothing um, really weighs down on all the improvements that it made like no H no more HMs like um, you know some unique typings and some really good new Pokemon a better story than most like for every good thing that it does there's something else that like weighs it down so with that in with that in mind I know this is a very unpopular opinion but my favorite generation was black and white and at this point it still is uh the reason is because that was probably the most ambitious one like red and blue that being the very first pokemon game like everything that you found was something new and black and white did a made a very bold move where it completely scrapped the entire roster and until post game the only pokemon that were in the game were 150 brand new ones so it brought back that wonder and excitement of red and blue and finding a bunch of new stuff throughout the whole game not to mention that earlier how you were talking kind of making fun about how ruby and sapphire the 11 year old kid is like the only one who could save the world um mm-hmm.
1: yeah it it, it, it tri- i think i feel like it tries to be a little too serious and also try to have this uh, weird environmental yeah. message to it And I just don't think it works. Like, with
0: Black and White, it was, like... But, like, with Black and White... It wasn't just you. Like, that was the first game, and for the most... Like, the kahunas are still important in this one, but for the most part, Black and White's still the only game where the gym leaders are important. They go... They march into the final battle with you. They help you throughout the game. Like, the side characters are just as vital to your success in the story as you are, and it makes the world feel so much more connected. And then once you get to the and had the most unique like final boss section in any of the pokemon games because you're basically this is like team plasma was like the most threatening team out of any of the games because they it turned out that their true goals were essentially the same as every other boring team but throughout most of the game and as far as n who was treated as the main antagonist until the very end he thought and most of the members thought that they were trying to protect pokemon from battles and so you're racing and he's just as good of a trainer as you are so you're racing him to the end of the game and once you get to the end of the game he beat the champion before you and then the legendary that he doesn't have comes to help you and it's kind of a legendary versus legendary battle and i felt like that game was just handled so well like its biggest shortcoming though was that it didn't really introduce anything new mechanics wise but that's still why it's that's why it's still my favorite um on to, uh, after that was gen 2 because for a lot of the reasons you said um it was just like the designs were great the new pokemon were great it added two new types at the time it introduced breeding it introduced hold items and most of all it had that whole it had probably the, still to this date the biggest post game of any pokemon game where you're able to re uh, re, uh visit kanto and fight all those gym leaders before eventually fighting the true final boss which was red so that's still timeless for me
1: thank you but, iwata
0: um or sorry were you going to say something
1: oh no i just said uh thank you iwata because you know it's because of iwata's uh, compression tool that he made that the kanto right. and i wish existed. that was
0: something that they would bring back as far as being able to visit old areas um but yeah aside from that definitely um, my third favorite would probably be your least favorite which is x and y and i'm including omega ruby alpha sapphire in that because it's part of the same generation for my count but x and y just i really loved mega evolutions because i thought it gave you a really interesting trump card but aside from mega evolutions from a competitive standpoint it made it streamlined so many things so it made it so much easier to level up it made it so much easier to breed for ivs it made it so much easier to ev train if you Go into Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Like I said earlier, I thought the PokéNav was the best thing to ever happen to the encounters, and if I had it my way, I would completely get rid of uh, random encounters in favor of being able to see them on the field. Um, but and then in- introducing Fairy type after as being the new the first new type in like over a decade was like a huge shakeup. So then outside of that, Generation Four, a lot of people say that's their least favorite, but. I appreciate that it split physical and special attacks because if you remember there was a time where all water attacks were special and all ghost attacks were physical and that was the game that split them in two where surf is like where blizzard's a special attack but ice punch is a physical attack so it added a huge layer of strategy on top of reinvigorating a lot of old pokemon with new evolutions that otherwise are being completely ignored its biggest downfall of course is that the an- the um, battles are really really slow but mechanics-wise, I feel like yeah, it deserves that, a that, lot that, more. that's what I've I heard. Like.
1: And I feel like um, if they are following the route of doing, like, next game, remake, new game, I think that a Diamond and Pearl Platinum remake would actually be very welcome. It could really help really change and make yeah, it a I stronger agree. game.
0: And then at that point, that's where we get to Sun and Moon. I feel like for all the reasons that I've mentioned, all of its pros and cons that it falls right below Gen 4 and below all the other ones. Um, Gen 3 was my second to least favorite because for as much as everyone jokes about 7.8 too much water, like when Ruby and Sapphire came out, the originals, not Omega, like everybody complained about how the game was mostly just caves and surfing. And there were so many random battles that it slowed the game down like immensely. And that was, that was the only mainline Pokemon game where it took me, like, two or three years to finish. Like, I actually put it down for a really long time, and it almost took me out of Pokemon altogether.
1: Oh, like, like the, uh, ba- what was it, the Battle Plateau Emerald? Oh, yeah. and well, Emerald,
0: Emerald, Emerald made improvements, like, Emerald is when I came back to it, and then I ended up going back and finishing, uh, Sapphire, but... Like when sapphire first came out it took me it took me forever to finally just finish it because i didn't really like it that much especially with how much surfing was involved and diving and all that where it was constant random battles and it just got annoying to navigate um and then lastly it would be gen one and not because there's anything particularly wrong with it at the time it was released but if it wasn't for the eshop remakes i probably would have put one above three But going back and playing it like the game just hasn't aged very well and objectively every game has vastly improved on it to the point where you know a lot of the pokemon designs if if red and blue were to come out today and black and white were to have been the first generation a lot of people would have the same complaints about how you know people make fun of the ice cream pokemon well i feel like back then if they were released in reverse order it would have been like oh look it's a giant pile of sludge with a face how boring pilos oh, sludge
1: with oh, a face oh wow look it, it's it's a pokemon it's it's a fucking yeah, it's a rock, rock with eyes, with and eyes. And or, oh like it's, wow. it's a pokeball it's so a pokeball with original. eyes that
0: evolves into an upside down pokeball with eyes and a smile it's like <laughs> and it's like you know for everything you know of course gen 1 was what pioneered it and we all grew up on it and we all loved it at the time but when you compare it to the other ones and like for as much shit as i gave ruby and sapphire ruby and sapphire was really the first modern pokemon game that was the one that introduced natures that was the one that introduced abilities which are like really key points it made items so much more important than hold items so much more important than they were in ruby and in and, and, uh, gold and silver i mean and then just red and blue is just so bare bones and the balancing is all out of whack it's even though we all had fun with the glitches it's still like a the glitchiest game in the series and which is a which is kind of amazing when you consider that red and blue that we got was basically a remake of the Jap- original Japanese one, which is even worse, <laughs> glitch-wise. Worse,
1: yeah, basically, glitch-wise. basically like the original versions in Jap- Japanese were like red and green, and the blue version is what we got for just the general. So the red and blue versions we got are basically the yeah. blue version in so, Japan. So I mean, with,
0: you know, with all that in mind, not to say that Gen 1's a bad game per se, but every other game after it has been so much better which i think is more of a testament to how great that these games have been over the years but yeah Mm
1: but and and i know we're like ranking this in terms of like best to worst but like even like the worst pokemon that we're really talking about is like uh to me even though like you know technically the worst um i still have immense fun with all of them i still find yeah and that's something
0: that i feel like is a big reason why the series has endured for so long it has something for everyone it's easy to pick up and play but has enough depth to keep your interest and i'm looking forward to being able to play this for the next 25 years hopefully and we'll be recording this podcast in our on our social collecting our social security checks waiting to pick up the next two pokemon versions and hopefully recording something else like this so but yeah it's been a lot of fun talking about the games with you um that's going to wrap up our episode bonus stage four pokemon sun and moon as always, you could find us at Geekscape Games on Twitter. Uh, do you have any plugs or wanted to give out your name where people can contact you?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. You can find me on Twitter at V underscore acz. Same thing for Instagram. It's sort of a new thing I'm trying out. Never really understood it, but kind of getting into it. Although mostly Twitter is the main way to contact Perfect. me if you and want then to. I'm
0: at Inu Joshua as always on Twitch, Twitter instagram and just about everywhere else so with that said we're going to wrap up the episode and thanks very much for listening we'll talk to you guys next time bye everybody see ya